Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Are you well this morning? God is doing amazing things in our midst. How many of you were yesterday in our Passion Night? And how many of you fasted with us this week? Well, at the back. I'm sure they cannot hear me. <laughs> well, God is doing awesome, awesome things. And over the past couple of weeks, we've been sharing concerning the Holy Spirit. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit will continue next week as well. And today we've got a very special uh, person that's sharing with us, um, Pastor Stephen Haynes. He's been part of our spiritual family and he's got a ministry now, especially in the area of the supernatural ministry. And so he's going to be sharing with us this morning. It's our great privilege to have you. He's married to one wife and they've got four children. <laughs> That's important. It's in the Bible. They've got four children together, and uh, he said to me this morning that if you don't have four children, you cannot be a, a every nation pastor. You need to have at least about four or more children. So I looked at my wife. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So this morning, won't you come, Stephen? We want to pray for you. Stretch forth your hands. Father, we, we thank you, Lord God, for the word that is able to transform us, Lord, and to take us into your purposes, Lord. We thank you this morning as we receive Stephen as he shares, Lord God. We thank you that we will receive your word with humility and meekness. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good morning, everyone. Are you all good this morning? So uh, it, it really is a great privilege to be here. And uh, we've had an amazing weekend so far. Just with uh, what God's been doing on Friday evening and on Saturday, we had a soaking camp uh, where we just had soaking, for those who don't know, it's really just worship um, and just coming and waiting before the Lord and just spending time with Him. And uh, we saw some really cool testimonies. Uh, one person got healed without uh, anyone laying hands on them. It was just during the time they got healed. Uh, then people shared about just God realigning, like they're calling other people, their hearts just getting on fire for Him again. A um, couple of people, just deliverance in areas that they needed freedom. So it was really just an awesome weekend. Uh, and that's what I love about God is when He shows up, He does the stuff. And, uh, you know, whatever you need, He's an answer for that. And uh, we can come before Him. And uh, as uh, Pastor Chris said, my family, as you can see there, um, I'm married to Jackie. And uh, we've been married 16 years. We, we met each other in youth ministry. Woohoo! So uh, the, the youth ministry will be signing up volunteers after the service. And, uh, and we have four amazing kids, and uh, I, I do miss them. I'll be home tomorrow. But uh, what, what I absolutely love is I've, I've loved watching the next generation, what God's doing in their lives. Um, all Well, Jaden's a little bit young. I'm still, he's getting there. Jaden's my youngest. He's my boy. Uh, he's learning like how to do prophetic pictures. So what we'll do is we'll go, we'll go to a restaurant or something. I'll say, okay, Jan, what do you feel God's saying for, for someone here in the restaurant? And can you draw a picture to describe that? And so he'll, he'll draw that and then we'll go across and uh, I'll, I'll do the talking and introduce it. And, and so we're starting with him. The other three are already doing it. Uh, so they get prophetic pictures for people. Uh, Bethany and Sarah, my two eldest, the one at the back and the one in the front, they come uh, treasure hunting, prophetic evangelism with me. And uh, we, we're seeing God use them in ministering to people. So I'm going to share you one testimony with that. We, we went out with our Bible school uh, onto the streets, and we had written down in our prayer time, South African flag, a pub, um, a woman. We had a description of what she was wearing. Uh, and so that was what we went out with, just for ministry. Uh, oh, and salvation. So we go out onto the streets, and we're walking down the one road in Cape Town, and we come around the corner, and there's a pub. And in the window of the pub is a South African flag. So I said to Bethany, I said, I think this is it. And we're looking around like, okay, God, where is it? And next minute, one of the people who worked there leans out, a lady leans out of the window to clean the window, and she's wearing the, what we had described on the piece of paper. So I said to Bethany, I said, that's our treasure. That's who God wants us to minister to. So I was like, excuse me, 
excuse me, across the road. Like, like, this is what I love about prophetic evangelism. Is I said in the first service, I'm actually an introvert, believe it or not. But when you're seeing God at work, something rises up inside of you, and suddenly I become an extrovert. So I'm shouting across the street, and I'm like, can we just come? We want to chat with you for a moment. We feel like there's something God wants to do for you. And she disappears. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but then she reappears. She comes out of the shop, and we start chatting with her, and we show her the piece of paper. This is what we feel. And, uh, and, and as I'm chatting with her about the gospel and that, she starts to close off to me. And I was like, ooh, okay. Uh, that's not what I was expecting. And Bethany taps me. And she says, ask her about her back. And so I turned to the woman and I said, do you have a problem with your back? And the lady's like, yeah, I've got pain all the way down my back. So I said, can we pray for you? And we prayed for this woman. She gets completely healed on the spot. And then she comes to Christ. And I'm like, yes, my 13. She was actually 11 at that age. My 11-year-old is getting this. Tuning into the Holy Spirit is not junior Holy Spirit. It's like, you know what, however young they are, if they just submit themselves. In fact, kids can hear God better than most adults because we get tuned out of things the older we get and taught not to hear them. Kids are almost like they're just picking things up. And if we can train them in that, it's the most amazing thing that you, you'll see happen. And so I really want to encourage, especially parents, you know, the supernatural is something that's, that should be part of our lives. Why? We serve a supernatural God. Uh, uh, supernatural is not something we attain. It's who we are. I am supernatural. When you came and got born again, it was supernatural. God created a new spirit in you. That's supernatural. The fact that you're having a quiet time and you're talking with God is supernatural. Why? Because the word supernatural comes from two words, super and natural. Super means to be above or beyond, to supersede, supersonic, where we get all those words. So supernatural means to be beyond the natural realm. So one of the reasons why we as believers are not walking in the supernatural is because we've made this thing more complicated than it should be. Hmm? You really are supernatural. Don't confess over your life, no, no, that's not me. It is you. You're talking to a God who's outside of our natural realm. Every time we pray, it's supernatural. Yeah? Every time we worship, it's supernatural. So now all we're doing is we're laying hands on the sick and they're recovering. It's supernatural. We're hearing God's voice in situations. It's supernatural. And so we need to start stepping out like that. I was about to go on a totally different rabbit trail. But uh, so that's my family. Uh, I also head up a ministry called Daniel Group, and uh, we really run the Supernatural Lifestyle School because this is my passion. Besides, I, I want to clarify, my passion is Jesus. I want to see people get to know Him, know Him int intimately, and to walk with Him. But I also have a call to see the body of Christ start to walk their destiny out in a supernatural way. And so we started our Supernatural Lifestyle School. Some of you may have heard about it. And uh, that's been phenomenal, just watching God. In fact, I sometimes sit back and I, I'm, I'm just blown away by what I'm seeing God do in the process. Uh, it's one of the words I've had over my life is that you're going to see God do things that you would not believe even if you were told. It's in Habakkuk. Uh, it's my life scripture, and I'm really seeing it. Uh, people coming in uh, to our conference that we ran uh, in crutches, they walked out. Doctors had said, we don't know what's wrong with you. Um, their friend, who was a medical nurse, had basically given them up. They were just losing weight. They were, they were dying. Doctors didn't know what to do. This person had woken up after church one Sunday, paralyzed from the waist down. And they came into our, our conference, and they got prayed for, and they walked out. That afternoon, they were spinning and dancing. And I'm just like, that's just crazy. It's crazy. We had one of our team go into a hospital, um, and they, they went into the one ward where people with eye problems were, was, were there. And they went to this lady, Mum Gubesi, and they, they asked if they could pray for her. And uh, she had come in for cataract surgery and was blind um, in both eyes. And she had had surgery on the one eye, but she was waiting to have surgery on the second eye. And so they prayed with her, 
And after praying with her, they said, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? And she said, well, I can see the difference between light and darkness. She's like, come on, God's doing something. So like, we're going to pray again. So they prayed again, and she turned around and said, well, I can see one of you is a black person, one of you is a white person. So we're like, okay, we're going to pray again. And they prayed a third time, and by the end of it, she could read the writing on the T-shirt. So they came back. This was an outreach we were doing as part of our school. So they came back, and they shared this with me. And I'm like, listen, you've got to go back and video the testimony. Get her, interview her, ask her. And they went back the following day, and they asked the nurses where she is, and they said, no, she's been discharged. The doctor came in that morning and said, your eyes are fine. We are canceling the operation. You may go. And I'm like, come on, Jesus. I never got my testimony, but you know what? It's a great testimony. Isn't it time for the body to start walking like that? Can I share one more testimony? I just feel there's something that I need to share in this regard. A friend of mine who I was at university with, um, we actually parted ways. Uh, she, she's now a pastor's wife in Durban, uh, but I haven't seen her in probably about 13 years or so. And on the 23rd of December last year, she was driving home with her daughter in the car when a guy on a motorbike came and he hit the side of the car and hit, collided with her. She was unconscious, the daughter that is, she was unconscious, they, ra- they rushed her to the hospital, her name was Kiara, rushed her to the hospital, um, and basically the word spread quickly, pray, we're not even sure she's going to make it. Um, there was swelling on the brain uh, to the point that the doctor said, we don't know. They had to remove half of her skull just to alleviate the pressure in her brain. The doctor said, we're not sure she's going to make it, if she makes it, she will probably be paralyzed and she'll probably be a vegetable for the rest of her life. Um, And they just started praying. They said, God, we're trusting you um, for a miracle. We're trusting you in this. And people got around that family and prayed. About two days, two or three days later, she came out of the coma. It was a miracle. About three days after that, she started to speak. The doctor said she will never speak again. She started to speak, and 10 days later, they discharged her from the hospital. It was such a miracle, but here's the fun part. The hospital were getting so many visitors coming and saying, we want to pray for Kiara, that they separated out a ward and said, that's the prayer ward for Kiara. Word got around that East Coast Radio, the radio station in Durban, did a whole segment on her praying for Kiara, where they came and interviewed the, the parents. ETV News came and interviewed the parents about it. It started to make, it made the front page. When she was released from hospital, it made the front page of the Daily News, the Mercury, in Durban. And then when she was finally out about a month later, it was actually in the U Magazine as an article. Now, here's the cool thing. I look at that and I say, What would it look like if instead of that being a once-off occasion, this becomes the norm? Come on. Why not? Why not? Why is it that when, when something like that happens, and I'm not downgrading it, I'm trying to upgrade us. When something like that happens, it makes the newspaper. Why? Because it happens so seldom. Whereas I want to see that actually the body of Christ whereby believers are walking in this constantly. We're seeing the sick getting healed. We're seeing God touch people's lives, miraculous turnarounds. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I think we've been doing too much talking and not enough demonstrating. It's time for the body of Christ to start demonstrating the goodness of God, the fact demonstrating the fact that Jesus heals, demonstrating the fact that he wants to forgive. That's when we will see revival sweep across, is when we start trusting God for the impossible. Amen? To step out. Our God is a supernatural God. It blows my mind that people can read this Bible and not see that. From Genesis to Revelation, he's supernatural. In Genesis, he speaks. 
and the earth comes into creation. Wow, that's supernatural. He speaks to Noah, build an ark. Noah had never seen rain before. Well, I guess I'll have to do this for this water that's going to come out of the sky. I don't even know what that is, but he does it. Supernatural. Abraham having a child at the age of 100. David being called to be a king by a prophet. And all he was was a shepherd boy. Supernatural. Elijah, Elisha, Samuel. Where the Bible says about Samuel that not one of his words fell to the ground. Every word Samuel had came to pass. You go through the Bible. I mean, Samson, hello. Supernatural hair. Where do you hear that from? His power was based on the length of his hair. I mean, really? It's there. And we read the Bible through and through. And then you get Jesus, born of a virgin. When he starts walking on the earth, healings take place all around him. Walks on water. When he's got to pay his tax, go fishing. The first fish you pull out will have a coin in its mouth. Pay your tax. I've, I've been confessing that one over. I'm like, Jesus, when it's time for tax season, please, Lord, I'm going fishing. Jesus walked on these things, multiplying bread. These are the things that he did. Then after he leaves, I mean, there's so much more I could speak about Jesus, but I want to show you just in the Bible, in the context of the Bible. The Apostle Paul, falling off his donkey, having a vision, getting struck blind, coming to Christ through that encounter. He was the old view of Osama bin Laden. That's who he was. He had a conscript to go and persecute the church until Jesus rocks up on the scene. Peter, Paul, raising the dead. All the way through to Revelation. You know that even when you read the book of Revelation, it's supernatural. Do you know why? Because John was arrested and they tried to kill him. The apostle John. They threw him into a vat of boiling oil. To kill him. And when he got in there, it was like a jacuzzi. He stood there and nothing happened to John. So the Romans did not know, what do you do with someone you can't kill? So in order to shut him up, they sent him to the Isle of Patmos. And it was when he was at the Isle of Patmos that he says, on the Lord's day, I was in prayer and I had this vision. So every time you read the book of Revelation, the vision that John had, it's supernatural because if it wasn't for a supernatural occurrence in his life, he wouldn't even have been around. Genesis to Revelation. Supernatural. God is calling the body of Christ to start reading the scripture and saying, God, this is your word. Do I believe your word? Do I actually believe that what you say in your word is true? Amen? To be able to, to move past just going through comfortable life. Christianity is not here to make you comfortable. It's the truth of God. And that truth is going to make you uncomfortable. Amen? Sure. We've got to start picking up the baton that he's called us to. We've got to start believing him for the impossible and seeing what he's going to do in our midst. We've got to start seeing his heart for the people around us. You know that the city that you live in has so many broken people, so many hurting, broken people, that God's heart is crying out for. One of, the, one of the nations that God has put onto my heart is the nation of Egypt. Not exactly your vacation destination, is it? Not at the moment, that's for certain. And I was sitting at a conference with Randy Clark, um, and he was talking about missions. And as I'm sitting there, I closed my eyes, and I, I first saw the map of Egypt 
and then I saw a woman wearing a burqa. And I would love to say I was a man of faith, and I was like, yeah! It actually freaked me out. I ran out of the meeting. And uh, our other two pastors, Colleen, who actually runs a supernatural school with me, and uh, Jacques, who's my senior pastor, saw this, and they're like, whoa, what just happened there? Because they just saw me. I was out there. And I went to the beach, and I was like, God, what, what was that? What, what's going on? I'm called to Africa. Now, I know Egypt, Africa. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I guess when I think Africa, I'm like sub-Sahara. You know, anything up there, that's like Middle East, you know. And, and I was like, God, I, I'm called to Africa. What's going on here? And he started to take me on this journey. And he started to shift my heart towards the people in Egypt. And the first thing he did, I was watching CNN the one time, and the news reporter said that that day they had just passed the 10,000 mark of the amount of soldiers or civilians who have died on the war of terror. And when I heard this, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, Stephen, what would it look like if 10,000 Christians laid down their lives in the Middle East? rather than 10,000 soldiers. Isn't it amazing that people will sign up and say, you know what, I'll go and fight in a war and die for something that is temporal, but Christians are saying, I'm not willing to do it. That's what he challenged me with. So I guess I was like, okay, <laughs> you got me there, God. He then took me to a, to a scripture the one day in my quiet time where it talks about um, the Gentiles and the Jews and reconciliation between the Gentiles and the Jews taking place only through the cross. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me and said, who are the Gentiles? Well, they're the non-Jews in that area. And he said, today, a modern day version of the Gentiles would be the Arabs. And he said, Stephen, do you see this? The only way that reconciliation would happen between Jews and the Gentiles or the Arabs is through the cross. And are people telling them that? Are people shifting that? Is that, it might be, it shouldn't be, it wasn't the first thing, but maybe just take my phone in case. But since I am out of my country, it shouldn't be. Anyway, and God started to shift my heart with that. And then I went, my, I, I spoke to my senior pastor, and he said, well, Steve, why don't you go? And I did a trip across to Egypt. And it was in that time in Egypt that God truly broke my heart. It was there that I saw the people. You know what? I think we live in fear so much because of what the world tells us. Because you look at that region and you think terrorists. You do, honestly? That's what I thought. Are there terrorists there? Yes. When I was there, 21 Christians were gunned down in a bus as they were on their way to church. It is a reality that Christians live there. The reality is that Christians have on their ID card whether they are a Christian or a Muslim. So they speak about freedom of religion, but when you apply for a job, they look and see, well, you're a Christian. So all the top positions in society are held by Muslims. You can't get a top position. Except, maybe I shouldn't share this one. <laughs> except one guy I know. I won't share the details in case. Uh, I don't want to give anything away for him. There is one guy who I know who, who just, God has put him as a high, high rank political official. Um, but they don't even know he's a Christian. So God has interwoven him there. Boom. But these, this is what Christians are facing there. And I went over there, and, and God started to burden me. He started to really give me a heart for these people. And seeing these guys who predominantly are facing persecution every single day. I mean, one of the guys that I knew who was from South Africa, he went across and had a job over there um, as an expat. So he's not even a national there. He was over there, and when they found out he was a Christian, two days later, he was asked to resign. 
as a foreigner. They knew he was a Christian, but as soon as they heard he went to a Christian meeting, boom, terminated. He had to leave the country. It's a reality. But they love Jesus. And they need our support more than ever before. And the reason why I'm sharing that is that something shifted inside of my heart that I started to cry out for the people. I came back and I was a different person. We had a, we had a meeting that Colleen was leading at our church and she put up this picture of Jesus holding a baby. And she was supposed to be doing a thing on like the father heart. What, what do you see in this picture? And she asked everyone, what do you see? And do you know what I saw? I saw Jesus holding the people of Egypt. You see, now what had happened is my heart was wrecked. My heart was wrecked. I couldn't see things the same way. I would see things that reminded me of Egypt. And the burden that I had would grow. And my desire is that God would start to shift our focus as believers, that we would open up our eyes to people who need him. Amen? The Bible says, lift up your eyes to the harvest. That means for a lot of us, we are looking here. We're walking like this. We're walking, just looking my circumference, my circle around, and God's saying, lift up. Can you see beyond? Can you look beyond you? There's something more that he has for us. Guys, Vintok is crying out, people are burdened. This is the reason why I'm passionate about seeing God move in the supernatural. One of the most frustrating comments that I get, and I've heard people say, is, no, 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 we don't seek his hands, we seek his face. What? Are you serious? I seek his face, yes. Why? Because he's worthy. He is worthy. And I love him. And I want to spend time with him. And the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I love him completely. But then Jesus says, but the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when you start to love your neighbor and you see the brokenness of society, you see hurt people, and the only answer is Jesus, then how can you not desire spiritual gifts? When there's someone standing in front of me who's dying of cancer, the doctors have written them off saying, no, there's nothing more we can do. Go home to die. How can you turn around and say to me that it's wrong to ask God for a spiritual gift when there's a person that God loves right in front of you? This is why it's a pursuit of mine. Because I love people. Jesus was moved with compassion. He saw people. He was broken. He said they're like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved when he saw the people, and it was that unction inside of him that released the supernatural flow out of him. We need to start being more burdened for people. When we see people hurting, we had one girl who came uh, to our church the one time, 21 years old. She had had a stroke. She was partially paralyzed on the right-hand side. She came in like this. She would literally drag her foot and her, her hand. She couldn't lift the hand. It was just limp here. She spoke with a lisp. She couldn't focus her right eye and her entire right hand side. She was numb. And she came to the front. And our, our pastor's wife called me over and said, Steve, come. We're going to pray with this young lady. And we started to pray with her. And we just laid hands on her and we're praying, God, we just take authority over the stroke. We release just your anointing. We command healing to come into this body. And as we're doing that, tears just start coming down her eyes and she starts going like this. And we said to her, what's going on? She can't talk. They're just tears. And finally we said, well, what are you feeling? What are you experiencing? She said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I can feel. But I whoa, what do you mean? She said, I can feel. And God in that moment had completely healed her. 21 years old. 
She had the rest of her life that she was going to be living with this. How can you not be moved with compassion? Are there people I pray for that don't get healed? Yes. And my heart breaks when I see that. Because I know Jesus is the answer. It doesn't change my theology. He said he's the healer. So I'm going to keep contending. I'm going to keep praying. But I'm moved with compassion. There's got to be something that moves me. Love is patient. Love is kind. Do you have the patience? Because I want to quickly clarify something. 1 Corinthians 13 is not a wedding scripture. It's applicable to all of the kingdom. But it's actually slap bang in the middle of the gifts. So he speaks 1 Corinthians 12, talking about prophecy. And then he shifts. He says, now I will show you the most excellent way. In other words, I've given you the practicals. Now let me show you how you do it. Love. Love, love, love. We've got to be drawn by love to people. Are we broken in our hearts towards them? If someone doesn't know Christ, does that disturb us? Does it disturb us? Hell is real. As much as some people would tell, want to tell you otherwise, I believe Jesus. And he said, there's a place called hell. It's real. And people right now, even as we're preaching, are going there. Does that disturb me at all? It should. And if it's not, I should be on my knees saying, God, God, give me your heart. Why? Because it disturbs his heart. Because the Bible says that he desires that not one should perish. So he's moved by compassion. So I'm like, God, move on this heart of mine. Move on this heart. Maybe I've got in a heart of stone. Maybe I've got a heart of stone. You see, the supernatural is something that has to flow on the escalator of love. If you are asking God for the gifts and it's not out of a passion of love or compassion, then why are you asking for them? Is it for a show? Is it to make you look anointed? Is it for your sake? Why are you asking for it if you're not moved with compassion? Compassion is a thing that drives us. It's a thing that I'll say, God, I want to see more of you. I want to see more of you. And maybe if we were moved more by compassion when we're out there on the streets, we would see God move in a greater way. Because like Paul said, he said, I plead with you. I implore you to come to know Christ. And maybe one of the things we've done wrong is that we're too busy just telling people where they're wrong instead of appealing to them and crying out and saying, God. So a week ago, we went out on the streets. Uh, I did some training with another church, and we went out. Um, and we had written down in our prayer time, we had written down a couple of words. And one of the words was Lansdowne Street. Um, the description we had was an orange top and blue jeans. Um, we had yellow tackies. We had encouragement. Um, the, and I'm saying we, the group that we're in, we had a head injury. Um, and I'm trying to think of the others, another one. Anyway, that, that was sort of it. So we went, we went down on the street. So we're walking down Lansdowne. So now we're saying, okay, God, what do you want to do? Who do you want to minister to? And as we walk past this, this shop, we look inside and there's a mannequin there wearing blue jeans and an orange top. And we're like, there it is. That's what we had on the description. So, so we're like, okay, this is obviously where we want to go. So we walk inside, and we start chatting with the one guy who's working on the floor at that time. And, uh, and, and I'm going to be perfectly honest. I didn't have the courage to go what I felt needed to have. So I said to him, I said, do you have a headache by any chance? And the guy's like, no. So finally, the guy who I'm with says, do you have a head injury by any chance? And the guy's like, yes. I'm like, well, okay. Sometimes it's got to be bold. This guy 
as a young kid, had a head injury where half his skull had been removed. And even to this day, if he takes a blow to the head, he will die instantly. He doesn't have a skull on half of his head. So he showed him the piece of paper. He said, look, we got the street. We got the description on the mannequin outside. We had a head injury. God wants to minister to you. Turns out he was a Christian. So we spoke to the manager. The manager's like, cool, you can use the back. We went into the back room to go and pray with him. And as we were in the back room praying with him, we were encouraging him and all of this. I mean, he was crying. God was ministering to him. And it, it hit me that the word encouragement wasn't to encourage him. It's that he carries a spirit of encouragement and that that was the ministry God was going to use him in. And so we actually shared that with him. He just starts crying more as God starts showing stuff to us about him. And we bless him. And we walk out. And as we're walking out, the cashier is standing there. So Brendan, the guy with me, walks up to him and says, can we pray with you? Do you need prayer for anything? And she's like, no, no, it's fine. And he looks down. She's wearing yellow shoes. Now, forgive me if you are wearing them, but who wears yellow shoes? I'm like, you know, I didn't think we were going to find anyone with yellow shoes. So everyone's looking like. So they show her the thing saying, look, we got yellow shoes. And she's like, okay, you can pray with me. So we again went to the back. She was a backslidden Christian. And we had a chance to minister to her. We spoke what we felt God was saying for her. She just started crying. Just as God ministered and touched her, and she recommitted her life to Christ. And while we were there, there was something else. We, we, we were like, do you need prayer for any healing in that? And she's like, no, no, I'm fine. And again, my daughter Bethany, who was with me, tugs me. She's like, knees. Like, do you have a problem with your knee? She's like, yeah. My, father's, uh, my mom's boyfriend hit my knee with a hammer. And I've had pain in my knee. So we said, okay, we're going to pray with you. And we, we laid hands on her. We prayed and we, we did what we trained everyone with, you know, the scale thing. What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? She said, the pain's disappeared and I feel a lightness. And then she stopped. She said, oh, but I'm feeling light all over. What is this? And we're like, that's the presence of God. He's here. And that's when she got born again. And it's just by saying, God, your heart, your burden, your heart, your burden. I'm sharing testimonies because I want to stir something inside of you. So I went to India. So I've been told India is a hard place. So I've been told. But how many know God is bigger? So we're doing a ministry school, and again, my passion, we're going on the streets. So we train guys. We're like, okay, guys, enough being in here. Let's get out. We're going. So we go onto the streets in Goa. Um, an area in uh, India, and uh, one of the descriptions we had when we wrote it out was um, a sari, a red sign, um, there was a name on it, stomach problems, although I was like, gee, this is India, probably most people have stomach problems. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, so, so I'm looking at all of these things, and then we had, we had ankle problem, um, teacher, and that was it. So we go, we go around, we see this guy sitting on the side of the road, we walk up to him, we start chatting with him, and we felt like this was the guy. So we said, listen, um, you know, this is what we felt God was saying for us. Are you a teacher? So he said, no. So, so he said, okay, that's cool. Can we pray for you for anything? So he says, well, actually, I've got pain in my ankle. So we're like, ankle, okay. He lifts up his thing, and he doesn't have an ankle. It had been amputated. So we're like, well, that's a little bit hard. <laughs> so, so we're like, okay, we're going to pray for you. So we pray for him, and he feels this tingling sensation going all the way through his leg. I wish I could tell you that it grew out. Okay, I'll tell you another story just now about a leg growing out. Anyway, but it didn't grow out, but he felt this tingling sensation going all the way through his, his body. And then we say, is there anything else you need prayer? He says, yes, because of this injury, I haven't been able to do my job. We're like, well, what's your job? He says, I'm a driving instructor. Teacher. <laughs> there we go. We see it in one lens. So we say to him, we said, well, that's what God is showing us here. He gets born again. Muslim man gets born again on the spot right there. Boom. We go around the corner. I mean, we carried on ministry, but we go around the corner and as we come around the corner, there's a shop selling saris with a red sign. 
And we're like, let's go. So now we're bold. We've just seen God do something. We're bold. We walk into the shop. And as we walk in, we, we just said, excuse me, is there anyone here who's got stomach problems? I mean, as we're just like, we're just going for this now. And this guy walks to the door, and he closes the door. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> we're in trouble. And he says, I'm the manager here. And he's like, I actually have pain. And he calls all of his staff to come, five of them, to come there. And he says to them, he says, anyone else here got back problems? Oh, stomach problems. And the other word we had was marriage problems. So he said, uh, stomach problems or marriage problems? No one responded to the marriage problems. So we thought, okay, we'll leave that. Um, so we prayed for him. The rest of the staff were there. We prayed for him. He felt this coolness come upon him in the store, and he gets completely healed in the store. Hindu man. So he's not faking it. Not a church meeting where you're trying to impress the pastor. He's like, it's gone. I felt this thing come over me. It left completely healed. So we turned to the other lady who had the stomach problems. We said, well, we'll pray for you now. She said, no, no. And she said, when you prayed for him, my one left as well. So, so we, then said, we then said, okay, is there anyone here with marriage problems? And I said, no. So we got it to share a little bit about who it is that we're praying to and the fact that God loves them and he paid a price for them. So the manager says to me, he says, my mom has been searching for this for her whole life. Can I go and get her and bring her back so she can meet you? Because I think you're a guru. <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 I'm not a guru. <laughs> I just have a relationship with God. Where's your mom? No, she lives 40 minutes away. So I'm like, oh, I, I said, sorry, I'm actually not going to be able to. Uh, we've got to get back. We have the school thing happening, but we will be at this beach tomorrow where we'll be doing ministry. If you can make it there, we'll pray. The following day we arrive, this guy arrives with his mom and one of the other staff members. We lead the mom to Christ, pray with her, lead her to Christ, and then the other staff member comes and says, that word you had about marriage problems is me. I didn't want to share it in that context. My husband is beating me up. She was so open to the gospel. I knew I could lead her to Christ, but what was more important in that moment, hear me, there's nothing more important than leading, leading someone to Christ, but I introduced her to the pastor's wife that was there because I said to her, you're going to need to walk this out because when you make a decision to follow Christ, you've got to go home to that same husband. And if he's beating you up as a Hindu, when he hears that you've converted I want you to meet this woman. She's going to walk with you and be the support base that you need for this journey. But God wants to reach out to people. The following day, we went onto the beach. This is the coolest thing. Now, Goa, if you go and do any research, is known as like the party place in India. People actually go there from all over the world to do raves and all sorts. So it's quite well known. So what we decided to do is we decided to do healing on the beach. And what we decided to do was a couple of guys took the guitar and what are those little like drum, it's not a djembe, but it, it's like that, but it's, it's, it's the thing that they have. Anyway, so they took that and they set up and we had our class of like, it was about 30 people around and they all dancing. And next minute, it just starts drawing a crowd. They're like, hey, the rave's happening over there. <laughs> and it starts drawing, we had German people coming, Swiss. They couldn't understand English, but they're like, this is the best party we've had on the beach. It was actually the funniest thing. So we did this for about 15, 20 minutes, and then we stopped and we gave out words of knowledge. And we're like, there's someone here, you've got this problem, this problem, this problem. Who's it? Who's it? And people started raising their hands. And our team started praying. People were getting healed on the beach. And then we got to share the gospel with them. And people came to Christ that day. And I'm just like, you know what? We just got to get out. We gotta get out. Because we could just stay in the church and be comfortable in the church, but there's a dying world out there that needs him. And if we realize that we carry the Holy Spirit with us, when we realize whom we have inside of us, and when we when we step out of the church, we carry him. Okay, last story. I promised you I'd share about the leg growing out. 
So this is actually a really fun one. It didn't happen at my church. It happened at our Every Nation Church in Durban. So there was a gentleman who had his leg amputated above the knee. And he would wear a prosthesis so that he could be able to walk. He was a university student at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. He has a dream where God says to him, if you go to this church and get them to pray with you, I'll grow your leg out. <laughs> so he arrives Sunday morning, and he goes to the campus pastor, and he says to him, God told me that if you pray for me, my leg's going to grow out. How do you think the campus pastor felt? <laughs> he was like, well, God didn't tell me any of that. I don't know. It's just like... <laughs> so he says, he says, okay, come at the end of the service. We'll pray with you. End of the service comes. This gentleman comes. So they pray with him, and they pray with him, and they pray with him. The end of it, they take him back to one of their rooms. They spend five hours praying with this guy. At the end of it, they thought nothing had happened, but he puts on his prosthesis, and it doesn't fit anymore. And he's like, it's now like that. It's like, that doesn't make sense. His leg had grown out that much while they were praying. He goes back to his doctor and says, I need a new artificial leg. And the doctor's like, why? He's like, because it doesn't fit anymore. And the doctor's like, that's impossible. Go. He's like, no, 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 measure me. The doctor measures him and says, your leg's longer than it was. Got it on the records. Your leg's longer than it was. Makes him a new one. They go back. They pray again. It grows. He goes back to the doctor. <laughs> Doc, this thing's not fitting me anymore. Here's the crazy part. His leg grew out the entire knee to underneath. Creative. And here's a part I don't get. It stopped. And I'm like, what? Why? Come on, God, what's the deal? Like, like you've done, excuse the pun, a foot. Why can't you just keep going? I don't know. But it was a sign that makes you wonder. This guy who was an unbeliever, that's the part I left out. God gives an unbeliever a dream about going to church. He gets born again. He becomes the evangelist at the campus. He didn't care about the fact that his leg grew to there. He had seen God, and that's all that mattered to him. And he started telling everyone about the fact that God grew out his leg. So if we would start walking this out, if we would start trusting God, a friend of mine, Sam, came and did our school. He's a teacher. He went back and he was doing detention with a bunch of high school students. And one of the kids walks in. He says, why are you here? You're not on my list. The guy says, because I dislocated my shoulder. I've torn my rotator cuff. I'm out of basketball for the rest of the season. Sam, as a Christian, just says, well, let me pray for you. Prays for the kid. He gets healed in the detention room, swinging his arm around like this. He goes out, back to the basketball court, tells his coach, I'm back, I'm healed. Jesus healed me. Starts telling everyone in the school about how Jesus healed him. Why? Because a teacher decided that what he experienced on a Sunday wasn't going to stay in church. He was going to step out. And if we can just get a burden and a heart for people out there and recognize the brokenness of people, that Jesus is wanting to meet them, and you are the answer. They're crying out to God, and God's looking at his body saying, you are my body, you are my hands, you are my feet, you are my mouthpiece. Go. Go. And you'll see amazing things happen. Can we all stand together? There's a group of people that I want to pray with here today as we come to the end of the service. And this is a group of people who even as I'm sharing about the love of Christ, as I'm sharing about the price that He paid, how He is broken for people, 
how He is saying, I desire that not one person should perish. There are some people here who you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You might come to church, and my friend, coming to church is great, but coming to church will not get you into heaven. Coming to church does not give you a relationship with God. It's a surrendered life. It's a life that comes to Him and receives His forgiveness because of the price that He paid on the cross for your sin. And if you are here today and you've never made that decision, and how would you know that? What's happening in your heart, my friend? Right now, you know you're not right with God. If you were to stand before Him, and this is the great test, if you were to stand before Him and He says, why should I let you in? If the answer that you give to that question has to do with what you are doing, then you're not saved. Because it doesn't matter what you do, every good work that you do doesn't take care of the fact that you've sinned. If I, if I have a speeding fine and I've got to stand before a judge, how many of you know that when I stand before that judge and he says, you know what, you were going, 100 kilometers an hour in a 60K zone. How many of you know that if I turn around and say, yeah, but I'm a good father, that the judge will look at that and say, what? The judgment is about the trespass. doesn't matter how good you are. You've trespassed, and therefore the judgment is here. If you just go through the Ten Commandments, if you think you're a good person, because I've met people who they think, you know what, I'm a good person. Yeah, because you're measuring yourself against a person. So yeah, you could probably say, hey, I'm, I'm good compared to Adolf Hitler. I haven't done things like that. Have you committed adultery? Oh, you might say, no, no, I haven't. Yeah, but Jesus said, if you looked at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery. Have you murdered? No, no, no. No, but Jesus said if you had anger towards a brother, it's the same as murder. Have you used this Lord's name in vain? That means not trusting in Him. We could go through the list, saints. There's not one person who has ticked all the boxes. Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned, and falls short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And so there are only two types of people in this room. We've all sinned, but there are those people who have turned their lives to Christ as the answer to that sin, and there are those people in the sound of my voice who haven't. You fall in one of those two categories. There's no in-between. And one day when you stand before God, the real question that's going to be asked is, what did you do about my son? He paid a price for that sin that you committed. He paid a price. What did you do about my son? Because that is the only way that you can receive forgiveness. That is the only way. And if you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, then my friend, that judgment is still on you. The Bible says that the condemnation that's on the world will remain upon us. If you haven't accepted Christ into your life, that's what awaits you. It's a strong message, but it's the truth. And I would rather you hear it now, here, while you still have a chance, while God's mercy is here, then one day you stand before me and say, well, no one ever told me this, God. I'd rather you hear it here. So if that is you, you need to respond. You're saying, Steve, I need that. I need Jesus Christ into my life. Pray with me. I want to surrender my all. I want to give my life to Him. I need His forgiveness. If that is you, raise your hand. Raise your hand at me. Who is that? Who is that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Who else? This is an amazing day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. 
today is the day of salvation. If you think you're a Christian here, but you're not serving Him, you've walked away from Him, I want you also to come. Come, come. Who else? You want to join these four people? Thank you. Who else? There are more people. You know you need to respond to this. Anyone at the back there? And I'm looking out. Anyone who you saying you need to respond? I'm going to ask you to step out. I want you to come to the front and just come and join me here. And the reason why we do that is that it's a, it's a public proclamation. Don't worry, I'm not going to hand you the microphone or anything. But it's saying, Jesus, today I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So, sir, will you come and join us as well? Come on. Well done. The, the, thing, the thing that's so amazing is that salvation is easy in the sense of surrender. It is something we work out with the Lord. It is something that costs us. Amen. But coming to that place of surrender with Him is a prayer. And the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. So what we're going to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And that's the confession with your mouth. So that part I can help you with. Believing in your heart is you. So as you're praying this, it's your heart saying, God, I come before you. Amen. Does that make sense? And so prayer is just talking with God. He's right here. He's in the room. He was the one who drew you to the front. He's the one who loves you. He's the one that 2,000 years ago paid a price for you because he loves you that much. And so I'm going to ask you to pray this with me. And if I can ask the rest of the congregation if you'll join in. Say, Jesus, I come before you today. I surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me of every sin that I have sinned. I thank you for the price that you paid for me. And I ask you that you would come and live inside of me. I receive your forgiveness now by faith. And I thank you that you will make my relationship with you new. And that heaven is my home. And so, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single one of these people. I just release your anointing upon them, Father. Thank you, God, that they are a new creation. I thank you, Father, that, that you break off every assignment that the enemy has had. We declare that they are no longer, no longer the enemy's possessions. They are God's possessions. They are his son, his daughter. And we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your life that now is inside of them. And so we release, Father, more, 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 more over their lives, Father, more over their lives, Father, more over their lives, Father. Holy Spirit, would you just come, reveal yourself in a powerful way to them, Father. Reveal yourself in a powerful way, Father. More, Father, more, Father, more, Father, more, Father, more, Father, more, Father, more, Father. We just bless you. We thank you, God. We thank you. We thank you for their salvations, God. We thank you for their hearts that are restored. We thank you, Father, that they are sons and daughters. And we bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Just look at me for a moment quickly. So I shared right in the beginning about the fact that I met my wife when I was in youth ministry. And it was, it was an amazing meeting. I, I had one of those encounters where I literally I sat in a room and she was opposite me and God spoke to me and said, that's your wife. But when I spoke to my pastor, you know what he said to me? You need to get to know her, Steve. You don't know her. Relationship takes building. The encounter you just had now is like that. God has restored. He's given you a relationship with Him. But you've got to build that relationship. You've got to get to know who He is.
get into the Word of God. Get to know who Jesus is. Spend time with Him. Worship Him. Prayer is just talking with Him. You can just spend time with Him. Share how your heart feels in the morning. There's some people who are going to walk with you. You know, when, when, a, when a baby is born, there's a family that it comes into most of the time. There's a family here. You've been born here. There's a family who they want to meet with you and just spend a couple of minutes chatting a little bit more about the decision you made. Is that okay? Your friends and family, I'm sure, will stick around for a couple of minutes just while they do that. So um, uh, if I can see Pastor Chris, are they going to go out a certain way? Are they going to chat here? They'll, you'll do it here. Um, so we're going to end off the service. And what I, what I want to just pray finally for all of us is this. God, use us. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. You know that song? Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Can we pray together? Father, we just thank you. We bless you. We honor you for what you're doing in our midst. And we just say, Father, here we are. Send us. Use us. We want to be close to you, Father. We want to carry a burden for people. We want to love you and love people. And so, Father, I pray that, that you would give every single person here, open up their eyes to see the harvest. Open up their eyes to the people around them. Open up their eyes to what you have called them to. We bless them, Father. We bless them, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.